Welcome to Scoop and Scale, where we dish up the science and weigh facts about mostly equine nutrition. I'm Michelle Anderson. I spent two decades working in equine media, and I currently create content and help veterinarians and businesses connect with horse owners through my consulting business, Cadence Marketing and Media. I'm a trail rider, dressage rider, and an at-home horse keeper. And I'm equine nutrition consultant, Dr. Claire Tunis of Clarity Equine Nutrition. I develop diet plans for horses ranging from metabolic seniors to Olympic athletes. I also consult for equine nutrition companies. I'm a scientist, dressage rider, and a pony club mom. Claire and I collaborated for years when I was the editor of an equine publication, and she was one of our regular contributors. We'd finish work, but we always had more to talk about. New products, new research, and our own horses. This podcast is an extension of those conversations. It's for anyone who wants to make better choices when it comes to feeding and caring for their own horses. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. The information in this podcast is general and not meant to replace the individualized advice of your own qualified equine nutritionist or veterinarian. While I have a PhD in nutrition, I'm not a veterinarian and can't give medical advice. With that, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the following episode. So I'm a label follower. I want to use the right product for the right thing, whether it's for my horses or my skincare or whatever I'm doing. So when Claire first recommended that I feed a senior feed to a four-year-old off-track thoroughbred who was a hard keeper, I was really confused. But I still did it. But I was confused. (laughs) Am I the only one, Claire? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. No, I don't think you are. I don't think you're alone. I think that's a very, who should be fed senior feed and why am I feeding senior feed to my six-year-old? And, you know, why aren't I feeding my senior feed to his 20-year-old? Yeah, I think, yeah, you're not, I don't think you're alone. Exactly. I wasn't feeding senior feed to any of my old horses at that time. So I was buying senior feed. So (laughs) whatever, my marketing profile at the feed store was very confused at that point, I'm sure. But... (laughs) So, but I think that before we jump into our conversation about senior feeds, it's important to talk about what is a senior horse because no one really knows what a senior horse is. If you are talking to veterinarians, they don't have a definition of an age. Like, because I think like I want to tidy like a senior horse is 18 and over. And that is not my understanding. I don't know if you've come across anything different. Yeah, you know, I think twenty was is is sort of used more now, and there is there is sort of a definition of a senior horse out there that was you know when they do the survey. I mean, it's it's escaping me when the USDA does their equine survey every five years or whatever. I think they they have sort of a definition of a senior horse, but I think you know in this day it used to be kind of fifteen. I feel like it's kind of up more like twenty now. You know, we're doing a good job of helping our horses live longer. So senior doesn't mean quite the same thing as it used to. So yeah, and there there are research herds, senior research herds with horses that are over forty. On the other right. hand, I lost a horse who was very geriatric at twenty two, and so right, yeah. So there's a lot of range there. What I've heard researchers talk about is more geriatric conditions versus your senior horse. So your age-related health conditions, more defining. I would say for me personally, I feel like over 20, a lot of horses start. It's kind of like being 80 as a person, I feel like. right? A lot of people are really spry still in their 70s and then they hit 80 and things start to get a little bit more dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I feel like that's a little bit like our senior horses when they hit, you know, when our horses hit 20. Yeah. Like, you know, I think there's, I mean, golly, we've got horses competing at Olympic level still at sort of 16, 17, right? So late teens is, you know, it's like the late teens is not a big deal anymore for a lot of horses. But I do feel like when they hit 20, it's like, hmm, starts to get a little bit more geriatric. There's no official like horse no. AARP card. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, no. And we're definitely going to touch in this episode on metabolic issues with senior horses because that is a big thing with senior horses. Lots of them do have metabolic issues. Right. But on the other end of the senior horse, what kind of conditions are we seeing? So we have the easy keepers and the ones that get a little rotund. And then we have, what are we dealing with? Yeah, I think, I think, well, certainly for me, when people say senior horse, we're thinking that harder to keep weight on. They've lost their top line. You know, it is struggling with weight management, you know, from a negative sort of weight management where they're, you know, having a hard time maintaining their weight. Is sort of the image I think of when you say to people, when you think about condition in the senior horse, you know, what comes to mind? And I'm sure it's this, you know, overly skinny horse, underweight horse that comes to mind. Yeah, a swaying back, less top line. Mm-hmm. And some of that is linked to those metabolic conditions you mentioned. So you can certainly have the skinny PPID Cushionoid horse. And we have, a, we have an episode on, on PPID and Cushing's that's worth listening to. And then, you know, obviously dental health. And I think people sometimes don't appreciate that, you know, your old horse can still have plenty of teeth, but they can lose the crushing power in their jaws. And so they just don't have the grinding power that they had in the past. So you can have, you know, the extreme where they really don't have many teeth left and they maybe even had to have some teeth extracted to where they still have plenty of teeth. They just don't work as well as they used to because they don't have the strength in their jaw to grind the hay. So there can be different areas of dental health and that that can be a challenge and and senior horses may also need to see a dentist more than once a year it's really worth having a conversation with whoever does your dental work do you need to increase the frequency of dental care because you know certainly I'm very lucky my my equine dentist is actually a board certified dental veterinarian which there are not very many of those no yeah. <laughs> we, we only have one in the whole of the state of Arizona and I'm lucky that she does work on our horses and you know they would rather do less work more frequently than try to do heroics once a year. And that's really important in the senior horse population. So that's an important thing. I think senior horse owners need to appreciate. They, they may need to be seeing their equine dentist more frequently than they're used to when their horse was younger. Yeah. Well, and when you talk to those uh, veterinary equine dentistry uh, specialists, they'll remind you that the digestive system starts with the teeth and mastication Absolutely. and saliva in the mouth. So we have aging that happens in the dentition, but what about the rest of the digestive tract? Are we absorbing fewer nutrients system-wide? We can be. There's, we have surprisingly limited research on senior horse nutrition, to be honest, but there is a very limited work we have suggests that they may not do such a good job at absorbing, digesting, absorbing their nutrients. And just to go back to teeth, because I think this is a great analogy that an equine dentist once shared with me, which I just hadn't thought about this way. Horses' teeth are like the lead in a mechanical pencil. And so as they age, you know, they're clicking down that lead in their pencil, the tooth is clicking down out of their jaw until one day there isn't any lead left in the pencil. Yeah. And I just thought that was such a good analogy. That to is think the best about analogy teeth. I think I've ever heard because it's really, it's hard to describe as a writer and an editor who's had to describe this with words. It's really challenging to, to describe horse teeth because they're so different right. from human teeth. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like you have the tooth and it's just there and then it's gone if it falls out like it isn't a human. They, they literally do click down like the lead in a mechanical pencil until one day 
there's no lead left or the lead gets wobbly in the pencil. That's the other, you know, the other concern too. The clamps that hold the lead in the pencil don't work so well. So they get wobbly. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. And I think obviously we also now know that senior horses are more prone to parasite, internal parasite issues. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to have a good deworming program in place with your senior horses. And that tends to be linked a little bit to having PPID and Cushing's. The other thing we spent the whole time just talking about teeth. I know. But there is that. <laughs> we, need there a, is, we need a dental episode. <laughs> we do. We haven't even talked there about is, doing one, but yeah. Yeah, there is that. And I'm going to get it wrong. I always get it wrong. Is it E-R-O-T-H? I can't get the it, letters right. Equine, odontal, clastic. Resorptive to something. Hyper- and hypersemantosis. Yeah. We just slaughtered that really badly. Know, but anyway, but we got that closer condition. than most people would, actually, honestly. <laughs> I think so. So that condition, interestingly enough, again, my friendly board certified equine dentist shared with me that there is an increased sort of risk of that condition if you have a horse with PPID. And sure enough, she identified three horses in our barn that were at varying stages of that condition that that other veterinarians had actually missed. One was at a point where the teeth actually needed to be pulled and we did actually extract all of his incisors over a period of four months. And it had a radical effect on his weight. He'd been really struggling to maintain his weight, had been on medication for nerve pain, da-da-da-da-da, ultimately had his incisors taken out and radically gained weight and was so much happier. And when she went through the barn, she found signs of it in some of our mid-late teen horses as well and actually recommended that those horses be tested for PPID. And one of them was certainly on the cusp of almost having PPID as well. So I just throw that out there too, that people with older horses should really educate themselves about that condition and then go look in their horses' mouths and and talk to their vets about it. Okay. And so I'm going to try again for extra credit to say it correctly for for everyone. And I didn't even Google it. I just had to write it down by hand here because it is a tough one. And the acronym does not say anything, which is the hard part of this one. Right. Equine, odontoclastic, tooth resorption, and hypercementosis. And I think I got it right. If I didn't, listeners, please forgive me and Google it yourself and ask your veterinarian because they're the best person to give you advice about it. So, but I tried. Right. (laughs) Okay. So with that, what about choke? Yes. I mean, that is, we think of that as being more risk in our senior horses, right? And again, tends to go with the poor dental conditions. And so, yeah, that can be a problem, you know, looking for quids. There's a funny little word, right? You know, and, and I, I run into people that don't know what those are. You know, they go in the barn in the morning or, or maybe they don't see it because if you're in a boarding situation, you're not mucking your stall. And, you know, you may not be there when stall cleaners are there to, to see these chewed up balls of hay on the ground in the stall. So those are quids where a horse kind of takes its hay in, chews it, can't quite get it to be small enough where it's comfortable to swallow. And so they just kind of open their mouths and just kind of spit the balls of hay back out. And so you'll find kind of clumps of wet, partially chewed hay kind of around your hay feeder. But certainly, you know, it can be hard to know your horse is struggling with that if you're not, you know, if you're not around to find that in the barn. I mean, when you're showing up at lunchtime, all evidence of it may have gone. And I think also making sure you can smell your horse's breath, you know, and your old horses, it's worth it to take a little, a sniff. I right. do with my old horses. I, and it sounds so weird actually to say that out loud, <laughs> but, <laughs> but any, any foul odor from your senior horse's mouths, you got to get your vet out to take a look at that because something could be going on that's going to affect how they they can chew and 
and absorb their nutrition and, and put them up at risk for choke. Yeah. And the reason why it's so important that their teeth work, you know, beyond the choke issue is that part of the reason of being able to chew your feet adequately, especially hay, is that we're trying to make the particle, the size of the feed smaller. So the smaller the particle size, the greater the surface area that is then available for digestive enzymes in the small intestine and bacteria and microbes in the hindgut to attach to, to then digest that food. So if your hay is being, you know, absorbed with long pieces, the relative surface area is quite small. And so you're going to get less digestion. It's one reason why, let's say you feed a pound of hay and a pound of hay pellets, you'll typically get better digestion off the pound of hay pellets than you will off the pound of hay because that pellet's going to just crumble and disintegrate into many, many tiny, tiny, tiny particles with a very large relative surface area. And so you're going to get much better digestion of that than you will off an equal amount of you know, long stem hay of the same type. And that's one reason why hay pellets, you know, can be a good choice to feed senior horses, you know, if they, if they're struggling with the long stem hay fiber component of their diet. And obviously, typically, if that's a dental issue, that's the problem, then we're going to soak those pellets and make sure they're wet to reduce that choke risk. So we don't really have a standard definition of a senior horse. Do we have a standardized industry definition of a senior feed? That's a great question. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think when we think about senior feeds, they tend to be a little higher in protein than feeds aimed at mature horses. So generally, most of your you know performance horses aimed at mature horses are going to be in sort of 10, 12% crude protein. Senior feeds tend to be about 14% crude protein for the most part. And that's because, you know, that very limited research that we have, it seems to suggest that senior horses may not absorb protein quite as well. Maybe they don't build lean muscle mass quite as well. That's certainly the case for those PPID horses. So having some slightly higher, you know, guaranteed individual amino acids is often seen on senior feeds than in the same feeds for performance horses. Generally, the ingredients are thought of as being quite digestible. You know, so there'll be things like the beet pulp, like the super fibers that we know are digestible and well, it's more digestible, say, than hay. So we're leaning towards those more easily digestible ingredients in those feeds, perhaps. But then outside of that, it's a little bit all bets are off, right? I mean, some senior feeds are, actually have quite a lot of grain in them, can be quite high in non-structural carbohydrates. Others are don't have a lot of grain in them at all. I can think of a couple that have no grain in them and they, they've gone more the fat and fiber route. And so they're kind of like 10% fat. You know, other senior feeds are more like six, 7% fat and have a little more, I'd say like wheat middlings and things in them and, and other, and maybe even whole grains that, that push the starch and sugar up a little bit. So in that regard, they're sort of, you know, a little bit all over the place. And so you kind of have to understand the senior horse you're feeding and, you know, which senior feed might be the best fit for your particular senior horse or young horse that needs a senior feed. <laughs> or, yes. <laughs> so in episode five, we talked about bagged feeds in general, the different things that come in bags and it can get confusing. We have ration balancers, we have concentrates and performance feeds, and we have complete feeds. So our senior feeds are they complete feeds or senior feeds? So a complete feed would be something you can feed just that to your horse and they don't need any additional forage, which forage is a cornerstone of all of our equine diets. So the forage is included in those. And a concentrate would be more you know, high calorie for, for horses like performance horses that need weight. So does senior feed equal 
complete feed. Back in the day when senior feeds were invented, they were complete feeds. I mean, the first senior feeds that were on the market were complete feeds and they were designed to be fed with no hay. And that is what a complete feed is. It's everything your horse needs, including the forage. And so, you know, those senior feeds had really large serving sizes, you know, average size horse of, you know, 15 plus pounds per day because you're trying to feed at least one and a half percent of body weight, right? So that's how senior feeds were designed as, as complete feeds. Then I think the reality set in that the majority of horse owners are not going to feed no hay and only a complete senior feed. And so that led many people into this very common issue of, well, I just feed, you know, a pound or two of senior type feeding scenario. When, you know, if you look at the, you know, feeding instructions for those complete senior feeds, it was like, you know, 15 plus pounds per day because you're not feeding any hay. And when you point that out to people, like they're like, oh my goodness, I couldn't possibly feed my horse that much feed. You know, he'd go through the roof or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but you're not supposed to be feeding any hay with that complete feed. And so, you know, in more recent years, and I'm terrible at remembering timelines, but, you know, I want to say 10 plus years or so, you know, there's been this sort of expansion in the senior feed market towards senior feeds that have smaller serving sizes, more like a performance feed with like a, a, an initial minimum serving of six pounds a day to be fed with hay. And many of those have the option that they can be fed with hay or can be complete feeds and fed without hay. You know, they're, they're relying the senior feed, those senior feeds might have alfalfa meal and beet pulp in them and so could be fed as a complete feed, but they're fortified in a way that you can get all the vitamins and minerals you need by feeding six pounds per day. And so, you know, really I think, you know, it does sort of beg the question of what happens if you decide to feed them as a complete feed at 15 pounds per day? Are you getting tons and tons of vitamins and minerals? And the answer is probably yes. But I think the reality is, I mean, in the 15 plus years I've been doing this, I could probably count on one hand the people that are feeding a complete senior feed is the only thing they feed their horses. And honestly, it's not even the senior horse owners that are doing that most of the time. It's people after their horses have had colic surgeries. And the senior feeds are very popular post-colic surgery feeds. It's like the only thing the horse gets for the first little while. And and then they kind of wean them back onto some hay and kind of keep the senior feed going. Because you know, let's be honest, I don't know many people that could afford to feed their horses 15 plus pound of a senior feed every day as their only source of nutrition. No, it'd be super expensive. And not to horse nerd out too much, but I think that part of that shift was that you know our, our largest equine demographic in the U.S., the largest population was 2003. And I just know that because I have a 2003. And that was the most horses ever bred in, in the U.S. And then it drastically declined, especially going into that great recession we had, 2008. Mm-hmm. And so there was a shift to, I think, create feeds that are more encompassing for the senior horses because it's a bigger market segment. And because we know now about like, tooth issues in horses, because it used to be you would feed these complete feeds. It was always like the horse that's teeth were wiggling and was very thin. It was like the old lesson horse that no one could right. say goodbye to. And those were the horses that were getting the senior feed. And then it became more ubiquitous. I just think that more horses, because there are more seniors. And, and we also have healthier digestive systems because of parasite control. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm pulling this out of the back of my brain and I don't know where I'm pulling it from. Uh, (laughs) So you take it with a grain of salt. But I want to say that back in the day, 
complete senior fees or complete fees in general were designed actually for international competition horses. Mm, for travel. When they were flying overseas for the Olympics and they were going to be in a country where it was going to be very difficult to get the forage that they needed. And I feel like that was the, you know, I, as our listeners will know, I'm, I'm English, grew up in England. And I want to say that when one of our feed companies back there developed a complete feed for one of the Olympics, you know, to kind of go over there, well, you know, you've developed this feed, what do you do with it after you developed it for that purpose? Because clearly there's not actually that many horses realistically flying all over the world that need a complete feed. You're going to feed it to your senior horses. You can't feed hay, right? So you then rechannel that feed into, and I, I, I want to say that that was sort of the initial thinking process behind complete feeds. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And I, I also remember them getting marketed for people who like did packing, you know, that you're not, yes. like if you're going where you can't take hay that might have weeds in it. So you would take your, your complete feeds with you. Yeah. So I, I do remember that. This is, this is ringing a bell As I say, for I'm me. pulling that out the back of my brain yeah. from somewhere. Yeah. And then I think it was also used quite a bit for like disaster preparedness, like to have something to take with you and to feed horses. So anyway, that, yeah, that's our tangent of the day of how we ended up here with these senior feeds that actually can be fed to a lot of different horses. So, uh, which then takes me to my next question. Why was it a recommendation of yours to feed it to my four-year-old? And then also you, it was a recommendation also on a, on a yearling that came from a starve situation that I board and care for for a friend. And she, after we did the refeeding protocol, which we'll talk about in a future episode, because very important how you feed starved horses, but she was a, a yearling and, and I was giving that to her as well. So why, why do we feed these to these uh, younger horses? <laughs> why? Why? Yeah. I touched, I touched on it before. It's, it's the fact that they are, you know, they have a slightly higher level of protein, the higher guarantees on the essential amino acids oftentimes. And the fact that they're generally, you know, these more digestible nutrients that tend to be, you know, a little, you know, more forage based, right? The, the beet pulps and the like, and, and that, that are, you know, utilizing hindgut fermentation. And so we tend to think of them as being a fairly safe to feed in larger volumes and the like. And so, yeah, I mean, it's the ones with the higher fat content. I have great luck with them putting, you know, weight on non-senior horses that need, to, you know, a little more weight on them. It is just that digestibility of, of the ingredients. Oftentimes they have a nice sort of gut health package. And, you know, if you've got a horse that's hard to keep weight on, you know, maybe that's because the hindgut isn't functioning quite the way it should. And so having some of these senior feeds that have some of those sort of prebiotic type ingredients in there might be helpful. You know, and then for you specifically, you know, with your the really young horse that you were involved with, it was the rescue. You know, I already knew that you were feeding senior to some of your other horses. And, you know, I try to keep people's feed rooms as simple as possible. And I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you could have gone out and got it. <laughs> you could have gone out and bought a, gro- a growth feed. But, you know, when you list that, when you stack the seniors up, some some seniors up to some growth feeds, there's, they're often fairly similar, right? Our growth feeds tend to have 14, 16% crude protein, higher levels of lysine, you know, and what have you. And so, and are easily digestible as well. And so given that you already had senior in your feed room, you know, I felt like you, you know, that could be a good choice for your, the weanling that you had, even though it wasn't a growth feed, it has some of the qualities of a growth feed and you already had it in your feed room. Yeah. So. And it, it made it easier when I sent my husband to the feed store too. 
With a, it's a short right, shopping exactly. list because he'll he, yeah. There's a there's a lot when you go to the feed store and, and you're picking stuff up and it's confusing because so many people feed senior feeds. They're generally every feed available. store's going to have mm-hmm. you know you know. I don't know that that's always the truth. The case with the growth feeds, especially no. in some of your smaller no, sure. feed stores. You know, like you were saying, people just aren't breeding horses the way they used to. So it's it's often easy to find the senior feeds are always there. And yeah, that was my other reason as well. Yeah. So you mentioned this, the skinny PPID horses, and I have one of those, as you know, and I use the senior because when he is on his percent, which is the, the drug that he gets to manage his Cushing's, he's just pickier about eating. And he's on that all the time. He gets that every day. And so it just kind of makes their appetites a little meh. And so he, he was less excited about his ration balancer. And so I was able to, the senior that I feed for him just to encourage him to eat that, but not too much because he's still has PPID. I didn't want to give him six pounds, five, six pounds a day. The ration balancer is fine, but the senior is just a little tastier for him and gets him more motivated to eat. So I find that useful. Yeah, there's no reason not to feed him the senior feed of his PPID as long as it's, you know, you know, I always, I think we mentioned it in our PPID episode, you know, it's really useful to know, is that PPID horse also insulin dysregulated? And we tend to feed the PPID horses, but we tend to feed them as though they are, even if they're not. Obviously, if they're not, we have a little bit more wiggle room, but generally we try to feed them like they are. So, you know, there are senior feeds out there that, you know, have non-structural carbohydrate content, you know, around about 11%, which makes them very appropriate for a horse that is insulin dysregulated or that has PPID. And so, if he's struggling to maintain his weight, you know, those would be ones you could feed him six pounds per day. So yeah, it's just, it's a matter, but there are other senior feeds out there that I wouldn't feed a horse that are struggling with insulin dysregulation and the like, because they're not, you know, some of them are 20%, you know, NSC, high teens, 20% NSC. And if you're needing to feed that feed because they're struggling to maintain weight, you're likely are going to be feeding, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, whatever, you know, pounds per day because, you know, they're not utilizing their hay properly or what have you. You know, now we start getting into territory with those insulin dysregulated horses where, yeah, I'm not feeling comfortable about feeding something that's, you know, pushing 20% NSC. Well, and I'm super fortunate that even though his appetite isn't great when it comes to his feeds, he really still loves hay. And so he'll eat as much forage as I put in front of him. So that's very fortunate for my situation. That's not true for other people with these metabolic horses or horses with PPID. So you said some of them can have senior feeds. Should all of them have senior feeds? Like what, what do we do when we are trying to manage the NSCs? And what if those lower NSC senior feeds aren't available at our feed stores? Uh, <laughs> complicated questions. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hopefully they are. <laughs> no, but I mean, you can beat pulp is a great choice for those senior horses. You know, getting those, as I said earlier, you know, switching to a hay pellet because you get that greater surface area because of smaller particle size. Those can be really good options, you know. And then if hopefully you have a low NSC ration balancer or a ration balancer, you can put in there to do the vitamin, mineral, quality, protein component. But a non-molast beet pulp, you know, is a great option. You can feed up to about 50% of their forage intake as beet pulp. Research has shown that, you know, that that's, that can be done with horses. And obviously the hay pellets are all, you know, fair game. Again, 
most people aren't feeding a tested hay. We run into these people say, oh, is it the hay pellets, but they're not, not low NSC and, you know, but then they're not feeding a tested hay. And you're like, well, your hay is not necessarily low NSC either. So, you know, there are some hay pellets out there that are likely to be lower NSC than others or companies that even do sell them as low NSC. There are also a few companies out there that have low NSC complete feeds. They're not labeled as senior feeds, but they're uh, like a forage base type pellet where they've taken the forage hay they're saying it's low NSC and they're putting the vitamin mineral pack in it and they've made a you know basically a fortified hay pellet I mean you could feed that as you know the complete diet or very large amount of the diet if needs be with with some of those horses so there are some non-senior feed options out there for those where you know that's not an option yeah and you mentioned ration balancers if if our listeners are interested in knowing more about those we do have a ration balancer episode 2 where we go pretty deep into what a ration balancer is and why we like them so much for a lot of horses so for mine who is being picky about his ration balancer like if he wasn't picky it would be fine for him correct to just have a ration balancer as a senior horse absolutely if he's maintaining his weight off of his forage fine then yeah, there's no reason, there's no, this is a good point actually. And it's a question I get quite often, you know, it's like, oh, my horse is 20. Should I be feeding him a senior feed now? And it's not like he went to bed one day, 19 years old and woke up the next morning at 20 and suddenly, you know, he's a senior horse and he's a completely radically different diet. You know, we don't do that as people. So it's not as true of horses, but I, I do get people's concerns. They suddenly go, oh, you know, they want, we all want our horses to live forever, right? And so we want to be doing the right thing. And suddenly people kind of think, oh golly, my horse is a senior, you know, there's all these senior feeds. Maybe I should be feeding it a senior feed. If your horse is doing great on forage alone and a ration balancer, maintaining his weight, doing the job you need him to do, fit, happy, healthy, just keep doing it. I mean, I get people come to me for, you know, consultations. Their horse is 30 years old. You know, I've had, I've actually had quite a few of those in the last few months, you know, 30, 33, 28. And honestly, part of me is like, you're don't doing great. change anything. <laughs> you're doing, <laughs> you're doing great. great. Yeah. You know, I mean, even, even if on paper I look at it and I think, wow, you know, we could, I'm always afraid to kind of touch those a little bit because, you know, oftentimes, you know, if, if something goes wrong at 33, it's, it's tricky to, they can snowball pretty quickly. And so if they're happy and healthy and, you know, whatever, no, you don't have to feed them a senior feed. But at the same time, you don't want to wait until they're so skinny and underweight. Yeah, no, that you, you know, to suddenly. That. So it's, it's about being a diligent horse owner, you know, having your eyes on your horse, condition scoring your horse, paying attention and, and getting ahead of issues that might be coming, noticing that, you know, they're starting to lose a little weight, understanding that it's much harder to manipulate a senior horse's weight. Like once they've lost weight, it's harder to get weight back on that horse than, than it would have been when he was 10, say, most of the time. You know, there's always exceptions, but that's generally the rule. So with a senior horse, you know, if they start losing weight, you know, get ahead of it. Similarly, if they gain too much, we start to gain too much weight, you know, oftentimes our senior horses, maybe they're arthritic, maybe they're retired and not being working. You don't have the same options necessarily of being able to put them back into work to burn calories to get the weight off of them. So if you notice them gaining weight, you know, again, get ahead of it, put the grazing muzzle on, do all the things to control that weight. Because once they get obese and fat and they're senior, it's, it can be hard to get it off because you maybe don't have the same options available to you. And while I don't like underweight senior horses and one of my pet peeves is people who say, well, he just looks this way because he's 20. It's like, no, that's not an excuse. At the same time, if your horse is senior and arthritic and has some, especially like, you know, well, any, whether it's 
you know, coffin bones in the front or hocks in the back, keeping them a little bit lean, you know, like right on that five and not letting them get obese and fat is really going to help their limbs and, you know, their arthritis and their overall pain. And I think that's worth mentioning too, that in our senior horse population, especially if you start having weight loss issues, you really maybe need to consider doing a lameness evaluation because I've had clients where the horses, you know, were struggling to maintain weight. They seemed perfectly healthy, but actually one in particular comes to mind had some hock pain that it took a very astute vet to figure out. But once they got that horse on some Equiox to help manage his arthritis pain, he gained all his weight back. Yeah, and they can be very stoic about that kind of pain. And then if you're not riding them, because if you're yes. riding, if you're riding, you can usually like, oh, they feel a little off. But if you're not riding, it is harder once they're retired, I think, from my experience, to, to For sure. really recognize their discomfort level. I also think that the senior label thing, for me, from a marketing perspective, I think it comes from you know the pet food industry because we've for a long time have had life stage foods for dogs, you know, the puppy food adult food, senior right. food, and you do feel like you need to go through this, the stages. So it's, it's just kind of consider that if this is something that weighs on you, you think about what your motivation is. Is it the pretty picture on the back of the happy senior horse and horse owner? So at the end of the day, how do you know which senior feed is right for your horse and your situation? Yeah, great question, right? So if you've determined that you think a senior feed is what you're looking for for your horse, I think you need to think a little bit about how are you planning to feed it? Are you planning on it being that complete feed with no hay and only the senior feed? Or are you planning on feeding it in combination with hay? Kind of, I would start there and read the feeding directions on the various seniors you have available to you to see which one allows you to feed it with hay. So, you know, should you not be feeding hay, that kind of thing and pick based on that. And then I would start looking at some other things. So I would be looking at, you know, if I had a horse that had metabolic issues, does it have an appropriate non-structural carbohydrate level for the horse that I'm going to feed it to? You know, that would be an important consideration for certain horses. Are there any ingredients that I do or don't want in it that may or may not be in the ingredient list? I'd be, you know, looking at those things too. You know, in the case of like your young horse that you are feeding, like the weanling rescue, you know, if you're going to use it in place of say a growth feed, like we said earlier, compare those amino acid levels between the two feeds to make sure that it's, it is actually an appropriate senior to use that way. You know, is the serving size something that you're going to be able to actually achieve with the horse that you're feeding? Is it in a form that your horse is going to like. I think I mentioned earlier, some seniors come in pelleted forms, some come in textured forms. It may not even be what it is your horse likes. It may be some of those textured senior feeds get really hard to work with in cold weather. In the winter. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is, so that's because I've just hit that. I've just hit that point with mine, yeah. Yeah, you might, you might decide that, you know, you want a pelleted, feed in that situation so you don't have that issue. You might switch just for the winter to something that's pelleted so you don't have that issue with, you know, so there's lots of different things to consider when picking. But the first one I would look at is, would I be able to feed it the way I'm planning to feed it? Like, does that fit with the feeding recommendations that come with that feed? And then again, I think as we talked about in the ration balancer episode, I kind of talked a little bit about different sources of ingredients, minerals, that kind of thing, you know, that comes into play here too. Yeah. And I think, you know, we keep touching on the NSCs and the metabolic senior horses. And we talked about that in the Ration Balancer episode two. And and I think that it's easy because I'm dealing with PPID horse and you do a lot of diets for these horses that we can take for granted, like why it's such an issue. And really at the end of the day with those horses, 
you're trying to prevent laminitis. Like that's like the really big key, at least for me as a horse owner with one of these. And so looking at the diet, I think having your vet as part of that conversation and your nutrition consultant is really helpful because it's, it's a big thing that you're trying to avoid. Um, you know, it's life threatening. And so that's, it, it's really serious. So just, I wanted to add that note before we wrap up. Yeah. And some of the calorie content too, right? So there are seniors out there on the market that are like 1.4 megacalories per pound. There are seniors on the market out there that are 1.8 megacalories per pound. That's a pretty significant difference in calorie intake. So, you know, if you really want to get calories into them off of a smaller serving size, then having the more calorie dense, you know, more calories per pound version would be a good option. And that's often done by fat, right? So you'll notice that the the percentage of crude fat in senior feeds varies a lot between feeds. So if you're wanting something with a higher fat and considerably higher calorie intake, you know, that's something else to think about too. It's like how much weight gain are you trying to get on that horse? How much appetite does the horse have? I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, you're PPID horse can be picky. You know, a lot of horses that need to gain weight can be a little picky and just become kind of birds, you know, like we always say that about elderly people, right? They just don't have a lot of appetite and some senior horses get like that too. So if you're finding that your horse doesn't have a lot of appetite, then obviously being able to get as many calories into them as possible off the least amount of feed possible is is a benefit. So the calorie content is another consideration. So there's quite a few things to think about and there's a lot of different seniors out there and they all offer something slightly different. So it's, it's worth reading feed tags, reading the bags, you know, trying to look at the marketing material, remembering that on many levels, they are trying to sell you feed and, and just to kind of put aside all the pretty pictures and the the hype and just look at the nuts and bolts and bones of it and try to get down to like really the underlying what's in this feedback beyond the wonderful things they claim it's going to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that is all the time we have today to talk about senior feeds and, and feeding these senior horses. Did you have anything that you wanted to add before we wrapped up? I think my biggest t- thing is senior fee- seniors is if you have a senior that's struggling to maintain weight, please don't just discount it as, well, he's old, so it's normal. It's not. Contact your veterinarian, try to get to the bottom of, you know, of why. And and sometimes, sometimes we do have some very old horses that really do struggle and it's not, I know it can be very difficult with some of these horses because we've seen the old, very skinny horse standing in the field and it's very easy to jump to conclusions that the horse is being abused and underfed and what have you. And sometimes those owners are actually trying very hard to get weight on those horses and it's just not working for whatever reason. But definitely get your vet team involved whenever you can and try not to accept that, well, he's just 25. For our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you'd like to be part of our conversations, please send your suggestions for future topics and your equine nutrition questions to info at scoopandscale.com and is spelled out. So that's info at scoopandscale.com. You can also find Claire at clarityequine.com. And make sure, please, to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We always appreciate your subscriptions. And we love it when you share with your friends on social media, when you find something useful in our episodes that you think other people should know about. That means a lot to us. For the Scoop and Scale podcast, I'm Michelle Anderson. And I'm Dr. Claire Tunis. Thanks for riding along with us. 